Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome here. Another episode of Hard to Guard TV. And I am here with, uh, oh man, I don't even know how to say it. Uh, she's an icon to me. Um, she is uh, a power broker in this industry. Uh, she's a brand marketer. Um, she is, uh, I have worked with her. She is, uh, as I like to say, a bulldog. Don't mess with her. She gets things done. Aria Wright, what's up, Aria? <laughs> Hi, Edgar. My Edgar Royal. You go by many names, Aria. You know, you know what I'm saying. You make things happen. She's the make it happen. If you want something done, call Aria. It will get done somehow, some way. She will make the phone calls. She will make it happen. Somehow, some way, get it done. Just get her done. Brand marketer. Yes. And I like to say. What made you uh, get into marketing? Um, well, I, I've always loved people. Um, I, I think growing up, I grew up in Philadelphia. So, and my father's a musician and we moved around a lot. So when I kind of settled in Philadelphia, I didn't really fit in, you know? And, and I always was the person from the outside looking at people who had been together for years. I think we moved to Philly when I was in like third grade. Um, and it was just a really rough time for me, like, you know, all those years of being an outsider. But I always loved the camaraderie when I saw people and um, actually my neighbors on that were that lived to the uh, to the right of me, to my mother's house, um, had two daughters. One was my age and one was my sister's age. But the mother you know, Christine Graves, she was amazing and I loved her and I loved watching her because she always used to entertain. Um, she always had people around her. She was the life of the party. So I always admired and looked up to her. So she's the person that really got me to like people and love to be around people. And I guess when I went to college, I went to Temple University, shout out to UMF, uh, went to Temple. And um, I, when I got there, I was like, okay, it's no brainer. Uh, I want to go into marketing because I saw how it connected people. And, you know, regardless of what industry, it always found a way to bring people back to center and to always be that thread. Like marketing was always that thread that kept people together. Um, and I saw how excited people got when they were, you know, enticed by different brands. Um, and I saw how excited people were when they actually got something that they really liked and they wanted to talk about it. And this was definitely before social media. So it was always word of mouth, you know, the cup and string, the fax machine, <laughs> you know, all of that. So, I mean, it just it just was a natural. I, I just love people. I, I connect people um, in real life. I do that as well with my friends. You know, I'm the friend connector. I'm the person that gathers everybody. And um, I host a lot of events at my house. And, I'm always looking to find ways that people can just be entertained. And a lot of times I'm the center of the entertainment too, because I, I like to be funny and fun. So you go to Temple. Um, how did Temple shape you? Wow. Well, I worked full-time. I worked a full-time job when I was at Temple. I lived off campus and Temple actually wasn't my first school. I, I'm going to share a little secret. So my very first school, <laughs> my very first school was uh, James Madison University, and I went there and I did absolutely nothing, mm -hmm. and it showed. So my mother was like, "Here's what we're not gonna do: we're not gonna pay all that money for you to be down here acting a fool. So you're gonna bring your behind home, and you're gonna go to Temple, and you're gonna like it." So. <laughs> Being at Temple, I worked full time and um, it, it was a it was a personal choice, obviously, because I knew that I couldn't stay on campus. So I just wanted to make sure that I was getting some sort of an experience, um, you know, because you go to school and you see everybody hanging out at the Student Activity Center uh, and you can only be there part time because they go back to their dorms and then I go home. So I wanted some experience. and I, But I definitely have, have created some really great and long lasting relationships with people, um, good friends with people to this day that went to Temple University and I could name them. I am gonna name them, I'm gonna name a couple of them. My girl, Sonia George, she's from South Carolina where I was born, which is crazy. 
and um, she's a she's Dr. Sonia George now, and uh, Vicky Miles, my my one of my besties um, in college, Renee Newville from Janay, you know, still one of my road dogs, like definitely, um, and then so many others like Keenan Towns, he, who is the first person, and we'll talk about that later, but he's the first person to get me working in the in the uh, liquor business. So uh, I've met so many amazing people that I'm still super tight with. Mike Scoff, who um, lives around the corner from me, coincidentally in Jersey, um, and goes to my church. So you know we're still tight to this day. Uh, shaping me is is uh, relative. You know, I mean, it, it's definitely uh, Temple helped to mold me into the person that I wanted to be because I saw so much uh, so much energy behind people and and getting to get them getting together and creating a and forming like this really tight bond and i wanted that i wanted that for myself but i couldn't have it because of the disconnect obviously so you you graduate from temple and you say to yourself all right i want to stay in marketing yeah and then you do your first job is u.s concepts actually My first job. So I, I actually moved. I could not wait to get out of Philly. That's the first thing I was like, I got to get out of here. So my sister was dating um, a gentleman who I love, who's still here in Brooklyn. And he was working at NBC News. And I was like, look, if you can get me a job, I will move tomorrow. So he ended up getting me a job at NBC News. I worked in electronic journalism. This was way before anything like this it, it was so antiquated it was so crazy but he got me a job there and when i when i worked there um i was doing like overnights and late night shifts and i was making great money i lived in east flatbush and um i had a rough trek home but my family lived there so it was always you know cool I, you know everybody in the neighborhood kind of knew me you know but they knew me as daryl's younger cousin and you know, Steve's younger, younger niece. So nobody messed with me. But, um, you know, I, I ended up being uh, meeting rather a good friend of mine uh, who is now like one of the best people in the world to me, Sincere Thompson. Um, and he was working at, I think he was working at Polygram at the time. And I told him, I was like, look, if you ever get an opportunity to hire someone who um, t- to help you work on one of these record records, then hired me and he got the job at Motown Records and then hired me and I was a promotions, national promotions coordinator. Um, I loved the job, but it was very short lived. Our whole entire department, everybody got fired from Motown. This was under Andre Morel's tutelage. So um, that was that was my sec- my first job, NBC. Second job was Motown Records. And then third job came when I was walking down the street after I had been fired from Motown, thank you very much, and RIP to Andre Harrell, but um, walking down the street, bumped into Keenan Towns. And he, you know, we started chopping it up and he was like, well, what are you doing right now? And I was like, uh, you know, just doing some freelancing. I was, doing, I was doing some modeling and stuff, you know, some print work. And he's like, come on tour with me. So he was working with Tangeray at the time and um, he was about to go on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire, um, you know, for the Soul Beach Music Festival. So. I went and did that with him and it was it changed my life because I I literally handled everything from beginning to end. We we did sponsorship activation basically. That was my first job was sponsorship activation. Um and I set up the promotion, broke it down in the, at the end, made sure that people were drinking the product, you know, so on and so forth. Um so literally by the time I got back off of that tour, the company US Concepts, third job was high, was ready to hire me as a key account manager. And, you know, so when they offered me the role, it was, you know, managing the sponsorship, I'm sorry, managing a promotional activity with all of the sampling um, models and selling in the promotions, working in the New York uh, market for Hennessy, Grand Marnier, Tanqueray, Johnny Walker Black, Moet and Chandong, and this rum called Akumari Rum. So those were my, oh, and Dom Perignon, those were my brands. And that was, that was a first, that was a great first, AKA third job to have because I was everywhere. Like Brooklyn, I met so many amazing people who I'm still cool with, who used to be in the clubs doing, um, 
like I th- for some reason I got caught up in a at a comedian circuit and we were always activating at some comedy show uh Joe Jackson and um Ray Dijon mm-hmm. and I they used to have the <laughs> they used to have the Ray used to have the um karaoke box that he would carry around with him and it was literally like a little box and with a microphone and so that's how he would do you know introduce people introduce comedians like Donnell Rawlings, Ashley Larry, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle, um, Tone Capone, uh, so many other art, um, so many other comedians that you probably know and love nowadays. But um, so I did that and was able to really, really sink my teeth into what event promotions look like. And that kind of catapulted my career working at US Concepts. And I think I did that for about six years um, and then Fourth job, move. No, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So what I like, um, one thing I've, I, I've always respected is that you have no fear. None. And at an early age out of college, were you always like fearless? Because you, 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 you're you somebody that I've seen around when certain situations, you'll walk up to people, you don't know them, you'll introduce yourself. And a lot of people at a young age, don't have that until later on in life. What, how did that happen? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that it was nothing for me. Once I, be, once I decided that I was gonna take on that persona, it was nothing for me to meet people. You know, I think that all along when I was growing up, I, I was, always put in a situation, you know, I was an athlete in in, in high school. um, So I always had to talk to people, but I, you know, you didn't necessarily have to like them. You just had to talk to them. You just had to find some sort of a friend circle to be in, in in high school. And like I said, I never kind of fit in. So I always wanted to be that person. And I I guess it, it kind of builds, it builds grit. It builds, you know, um, you know, stamina for you to actually be out there talking to people and, and working the circuit and just kind of moving in circles where you don't necessarily know anybody. So I can't say how it got, how I got it, but I got it somehow. So what, what part in your life did you realize, you know, obviously Earth, Wind & Fire, which is my favorite band of all time. Like, <laughs> like when, when did you realize, like, Wait, I'm in the right room with right with, with the right people. Like, when did did that like hit you at, at at any time? Um, I think somewhere along year the year of 1990, maybe something, 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 something like that. <laughs> when I realized that I was, and when I was at Motown, I, I worked with greatness. I worked with uh, Eddie F. I worked with Clark Kent, um, Puff, uh, Chad Elliott, you know, Sincere Thompson, like so many amazing people. And I, I just knew that those were the relationships that I would be able to take with me in life, you know? So, and I, and I also was able to see after a number of years that I could call on those people and it was always love, you know, it was always them answering the phone for me or just, you know, being interested in what I had to say. So I kind of took on, yeah, I can get calls answered. A lot of people can't get calls answered. A lot of people, and then I'm a nice person. I think <laughs> I'm a nice person. It didn't, help. it didn't hurt that, you know, you're a nice person, you do good work and you honor your word. Like, you know, if you say you're gonna do something, do it. And that's what I've always stood by. I've always stood by the fact that I'm not going to tell you a lot. I am not going to tell you that I can do something. That's not true. I'm going to tell you I can do something if it's almost in my wheelhouse, I can see it. But I'm not going to just flat out lie to you and say I can do it if I know I can't do it. And I don't want to put anybody's relationship at jeopardy if they recommend me for something that I can't do and I don't pull through. So that's always in my back pocket. So you leave um, U.S. Concepts and you join Strategic Group. Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> BT. 
job. Let's talk about the main jobs. <laughs> so, I mean, Edgar, I've had a million jobs. Honestly, the other day, I was sitting in the, sitting on, on one of the million Zoom calls that I had that day, and I was um, looking at something, and I started counting a number of brands that I've worked on, a number of companies that i worked for. I've worked on over 60 brands in my short career of two decades. But I've literally worked on 60, over 60 brands. I, I stopped counting. So, but yeah, I, I moved on after US Concepts. I went to BET. I moved to DC for two years. Hated it. I hated DC. I don't even know why DC is here. I'm just kidding. No, but <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, again, I felt like I didn't belong there. I felt like, I was giving DC more than it was giving me. Um, good thing about DC is that I had my son there. My son was born in um, George Washington University Hospital. And I had a great house. And when I sold my house, I made a whole lot of money. So that was awesome. But when I was there, I, made, I let it be known that I did not really care for DC too much. And talking to Sincere one day, he was like, look, if you come back to New York, I got a job for you because his guys were throwing stuff up in the, in the clubs and just, you know, not really, well, Sincere's job at the, at that time, um, he was an independent working um, uh, on his own company, Frontline Marketing and Promotions. <laughs> Excuse me. I actually worked with him before I moved to DC for a little bit on, on Erica Badu's first album and uh, her first record was on and on. And that's the record that I um, I did college radio promotions for. So I've literally done everything in the world. But um, Sincere said, if you come back home, I have a job for you. And I said, well, I don't think, because at the time I was married, I was like, I don't think that, you know, my husband was would be willing to come back, come to New York, because he just, he's a country boy. You know, he lived in, he was born in um, Richmond, Virginia, and lived in Southern states all that, all those years. So of course, Sincere got his ear. He was like, what? I'll, 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 get, I'll put a transfer in my company now. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so where I go back to New York and I crazy thing is I moved back to New York the day of 9-11 when the World Trade got hit. Wow. Yes, that night we, we cause we had the, um, the moving company come and move everything out of our house and you know, moved it to New York, but then uh, we drove up my husband, my ex-husband's electronics and stuff like that, because he was like, they're not touching my stereos and all my you know expensive equipment and stuff. So we were like, all right, well we'll just you know we'll get up, we'll get out late and we'll make it to New York in the morning at some point and you know just chill. The, the crazy thing is, I had an event at one of the Capitol buildings in D.C. on 9/11. So we packed up the car. I think we got to New York at like two o'clock in the morning, went to sleep. I woke up at like seven something, got dressed and then went upstairs because we, you know, we were staying at Sincere's house at his compound. And um, they're all watching the news and I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, World Trade got hit. And I was like, what? And um, I said, okay. And I was like, all right, well, I'm about to go to um, go back to D.C. I'm about to drive back to D.C. And they're like, oh, no, you're not. And I was like, why? And they said, because the Pentagon got hit, too. So you're going to sit your behind right now and watch mm -hmm. the news with us. So, I mean, just very pivotal moments in my life that things happened and made me remember for the rest of my life about, you know, moving, transition, being able to flow fluidly, being able to pick up at the drop of a dime and just just do it. You know, like you said, no fear. So you work with, you know, you start working at Frontline. Um, you start dealing with different type of brands. Um, did, at that point, and did you know what you was doing, or you, you, because you were still, you know, you're still young in the game, or you was just learning on the go, everything, everything you was doing. Um. Well, my first order of business at Frontline was to, you know, shape up the team and create a national program and we ch we pitched the Martel Cognac business and won that. Um, so that was the first thing that I did. Um, I ran the national program for Martel Cognac and it was, you know, I had been in the, um, in the liquor business and working on brands that were in New York based, 
but I had never run a national program. But I'm gonna tell you one thing, running a national program is just like running a local program with the exception that you have more people to talk to and you have more people that are in your ear about process and procedure and things like that. But the common thread for me was do what you say you're gonna do, honor your word, hire great people who are serious about their business and just you know learn as you go you know i definitely didn't know about learn, running a national program but i learned very quickly and it and it was something that i just ended up enjoying doing um so after martel after winning the martel business and doing that for i think two or three years we we had been talking about the seagram's gin business um and we pitched that and won that as well and um i i uh worked on the Seagram's Den live tour um, for a couple of years as well with that. And it was just learning experience all throughout. And I worked with um, with uh, Frontline for I think about nine years. Um, so I also worked on Microsoft business there. Um, I worked with HBO there. I worked with so many amazing brands, you know, while I was at, um, at Frontline. So just, Yes. Oh, and Queen Collection, CoverGirl Queen Collection um, with Queen Latifah. That was my first time sitting across from a, a woman who commanded the room. When I tell you Queen Latifah commands presence in a boardroom, in a room full of men and vultures, believe me when I tell you that. She is no joke. And everyone hang, hung on to every word that she said. And it really you know, resonated with me because... Like I said, I'm I'm just a girl who was just trying to figure out where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do. So having examples like her and knowing and understanding that side was just really pivotal for me in my life. That's what I would say. The value of networking for yeah. you has been what? Hmm. Um, the value of networking has opened so many doors for me. The value of honoring your word has opened so many doors and kept them open. And when I've always found that a door may be closing or about to close, you know, miraculously, there's been another one that's open, um, you know, and, and sometimes you kind of get in your head about just seeing how life just happens and think great things happen to people that probably don't deserve it. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be honest with you, I, you know, you look at people and you're like, okay, I know that I know, I know much better than they do or much, much more than they do. And they got this opportunity, but it wasn't my time yet. You know what I mean? It wasn't my time. It wasn't my opportunity. It was probably something that would have, you know, not put me in a better position and, and cat catapulted me to the next uh, position or, or even elevated, you know, my knowledge of whatever that um, task was. So, I, I've definitely come to realize that in my older age. <laughs> nah, young. So the next step, you go to strategic and um, you run, you put, I feel like you are inspirational in putting Hennessy. Everyone knew who Hennessy was, but for me, Aria Wright was Hennessy and put Hennessy on the map. And, <laughs> you, and like you said, you, you, you ran a national campaign for it and I want, Let's talk about that. Yeah. I, I, well, Hennessy is always going to be one of my favorite brands that I've worked on. Um, I drank the product. You know, I embodied it. Uh, I, I've had a, I've met a lot of great people as a result of working on that brand um, and just created a community of people that really love a product and that that will do whatever it takes to make sure that the product wins. It's so funny when you look at people and you see how how hard they'll go for a brand. You know, you see it now a lot more on social media, but at the time we didn't have social media. So it was like, you just, you really get to see people in real time respond to something as simple as getting a, you know, a giveaway, like a, a $1.99 keychain. You know what I mean? So, but, Hennessy, um, I, I had worked with them before, uh, you know, at U.S. Concepts, and I had done some, you know, some event management stuff for them. 
um, working, you know, some on-premise events, which are like restaurants, clubs, and night and, and bars, and then some off-premise stuff, which are liquor liquor stores, and then some uh, private events where you know they created the events from ground up. So I had already established a rapport with the um, brand manager who came in. Her name is Kelly Walton, who and she now is at the NBA, but um, before and previously on um, Under Armour, but. Kelly saw in me that I was serious about what I was doing. And she tapped me and said, Hey, we're, we're, we have something coming up that I think you would be perfect for. I would like for you to take exactly what you did with Martell and some of your other programs and, and Seagram's Gen and some of your other programs and put it on steroids and bring it to Hennessy. So at the time I was writing the campaigns for what they call liquid to lips. Um, so all of the sampling girls that you see in clubs that come up to you and they ask you if you want to try a drink, those are the programs that I worked on. And I, I wrote what the scripts were and how the girls would look and what they would, how they actually would act and what they actually looked like. I, I was shallow how I profiled the girls. I only select the girls that were five, eight and taller. I wrote that and I would probably be fired and sued to this day because I seriously profiled all of these women. They had to look a certain way and they had to come with a certain height and a certain body shape. Um, and then I created the whole look for them, like the makeup, the hair, how they would wear their hair. You know, I worked with Kelly directly on all of that. Um, and so that's what I was doing with that program. And so I moved into another role where I was um, creating a national ambassador program. Um, and I, because of the relationships that I had in the, in, you know, previous years and leading up to this role, I was able to identify people who were either on the come up or who were established as that mini celebrity in their market. So across the country, my first markets um, were New York, um, hired Clarabelle Almonte, um, DC, Milton Gates, um, Miami, Elena, I'm going to get back to Elena though. Miami hired Elena, um, who is about to be married, <laughs> but uh, uh, Elena Smith, um, LA hired Jerry Lorenzo, who's another success story, but it has nothing to do with Hennessy, but fear God. Um, and what was the other market? Chicago hired, um, uh, Jamar Eaton. So grew that program from five markets. Uh, and we actually opened it up to Atlanta and hired Pat, um, Pat Richards. So we, we really kind of came into this program with clearly defined goals. Um, they were all respectively, you know, who they were in their market. Um, but there was one person in particular who wasn't like a radio host or, you know, an aspire or a promoter or something like that. Her name was Elena Smith and Elena um, I actually hired when I when I exited the role um, to run the team, um, Team Hennessy, because she had so much tenacity, so much drive. She was so buttoned up um, and I, I loved her work ethic. She now works for um, for Ciroc and Delion, <coughs> excuse me, under um, Ingrid Best, who I also worked um, hand in hand with at uh, Hennessy. So you know, just really met some amazing people who I was able to groom for the role and for um, and who also were just celebrities in their own right. They were influential on social media. You know, all of them had in excess of like 5,000 followers at the time. And this was very early. This is literally when Instagram first hit the scene. Um, Facebook was, still the, it was probably right after MySpace. <laughs> but, um, just really amazing people. I grew from five markets to 18 markets, and then we grew into a multicultural program. And then I ended up getting um, Moet and Shandong Nectar Rosé involved in the program with the same kind of core principles of establishing relationships, maintaining those relationships, creating event and creating communities and really using those communities to drive the brand message and drive the brand forward. So at the end of it, I was there in that capacity for um, another seven, seven years and um, left at the height of 
the Hennessy, you know, sell, Hennessy selling six million cases and really establishing presence as the leader in the category, undefeated, um, un, non-contested, like all of that. So um, learned a lot, a lot, a lot about marketing in general from that role and from that team. Honestly, it was the dream team. Like, you know, the Hennessy dream team was 19, I'm sorry, where am I? 2000, 2012 through 2014, 15, let's say. Um, and then it started falling apart to into what it is now. Like you said, Hennessy. No, 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 I was going to say, but like during that time, when did you realize like, because I, like I told you, I, I look at you as like, you know, that's like, yo, that's Aria. You know what I'm saying? So like, when did you realize for yourself, like, you know what? I'm building all these programs. Maybe I should be doing my own thing. Because, you, you know, you're creating all these relationships. You created relationships all over the country. You, you, your network, your Rolodex is crazy. And my thing is like, you know, all these com- companies are coming at, coming to you because, you know, you set the, you set the foundation. And when did you say to yourself, you know what? I think I'm going to start doing my own thing. Um, well, it wasn't for another couple of years. I, but just, just to be clear, Edgar, I started my first company in 2000, right? Um, when my son was born. So I'd always worked side projects. I've always worked a side gig. I've always had a side hustle. Um, Nicole Cosby, you know Nikki Cosby? Yeah. Um, she used to have this company called si- The Side Hustle. And mm-hmm. I always loved that name because it kind of it kind of embodied what I thought that life should be. Like you should always have a side hustle. Whenever I would speak on panels, I would say one of the keys to your success in maintaining, you know, longevity in whatever career you choose is one, your passion, and two, your, the art of the side hustle and the art of, you know, now it's called the pivot, you know, but mm-hmm. the art of the pivot. Um, but um, I left. Hennessy and and uh, strategic group to follow a dream that I had had of working in the casino industry that did that fell apart immediately so I kind of had no choice but to look at you know other opportunities out there and I actually uh, went to Ice Media and I was the vice president of Ice Media um, and it's a boutique <clears throat> excuse me at um, a boutique media agency that really specialized in um, message, content creation, message amplification, um, led by Leslie Hall, who's um, now a dear friend of mine. Um, and I learned so much about media. And at that point, um, you know, I didn't feel comfortable leading meetings about media because I was a newbie there, but they have no idea how much I learned from that team. And I'm still cool with, you know, all of them, actually. I, I still talk to all of them to this day. Um, actually, I texted Leslie yesterday and she didn't text me back, so I'm gonna have to get on her, I just reminded me. But um, the fundamentals of media, I, I were learned from Ice Media. Um, and I felt like the boot camp, my boot camp was all the agency work that I had done um, with working with all the brands. When I first started at, um, at Strategic, I had an office in the Moet Hennessy building, at a cubicle at, in, you know, within, with the Hennessy team. Um, so I had the ability and the great fortune to be able to sit in a lot of the meetings that were um, where I was able to learn so much from the global teams um, and from the, the teams that are guiding the brand from France and then working cross-functionally with all of the different um, partners. So I worked with uh, media, I worked with PR very closely, I worked with um, the people that created the POS, you know, the point of sale merchandise. Um, and I had to end up creating all of that stuff and working those into the team that I was building, Team Hennessy. So um, so all of that to say, I didn't know that I was ready to do my own thing until after I left Ice Media. Um, and I left Ice Media and, you know, bumped right into a role with Essence um, where I was... Uh, working on, I actually worked with Essence a few years, for a few years, one with Walmart um, and we, and I led the programming for that. And, uh, you know, we won festival, um, festival activation of the year for Walmart that year. Um, And it was an amazing footprint. Um, And then the next year, I want to say I worked with 
I can't remember next year what I worked with, but then la uh, 2019, 2019, um, I created and led programming for their first business hub, which was the Global Black Economic Forum. So had people, you know, worked with talent, worked with the production team, Miata and um, uh, MV, MV2, MV2V, I can't think of the name, it was MVD, MVD, Miata, <laughs> Miata David's company, um, you know, on producing an amazing, amazing first um, event there, uh, had and worked with Marvette to get the powerful TD Jakes there, uh, Marvette Brito, I'm sorry to get the yeah. powerful TD Jakes there, um, Jack Dorsey, you know, owner of Twitter, Facebook, um, Isaiah, Isaiah Wash, uh, Washington brought his champagne there, Cherubom, I think it was called, I, I probably mispronounced it, but um, worked with so many amazing people, thought leaders from across the globe um, who came in for that event. And um, I, I, at the end of that, I was tired as hell, but I felt like that was another win for Team Aria. And, you know, and I said, okay, I, I feel at this point that I can really do this on my own. Um, so that brings me to kind of present day, 2018, my own company, doing everything on my own. Okay, uh, 2018, you start, you know, your own company. Was it nerve wracking? Or do you just like, I'm gonna go in guns blazing? Cause you're, you're a planner. You're very strategic on everything that you do. Um, how did you plan on building your own company? I was very nervous. <laughs> I was very nervous. I'm still nervous because you got to chase a check. You know, at the end of the day, the business was the business was great when it was great. But who would have predicted COVID? You know, lost everything, lost all of the, the momentum that I you know built um, pretty much sat in the house for a very long time on my mother's couch. My mother had a health scare, so I had to go and, you know, camp out of her house for a couple months during COVID. But um, while I was there, this is the part you're gonna like, came up with the concept to create an online dating game show <laughs> the house date. Woo! <laughs> with my good friend, Edgar Burgo, executive producer. So, we need a lot more people, man. <laughs> but that that was one of the first kind of creative things because I kept hearing people talking about if you don't come out of COVID a better person and, you know, I don't know what you were doing and so on and so forth. And, you know, you kind of get you get clobbered by the noise. But I think I was just so used to running, running, running. I didn't have time to think about what it is that I actually wanted to do um, and how I wanted to get there, how I wanted to do it. So sitting on my mom's couch and being there and, and taking care of her, um, she actually really was taking care of me because it gave me time to think and it gave me time to really strategize um, and think about what I actually wanted to do when I grow up because I, I had been spinning my wheels for so long. Um, that that show and working with those people that we worked with to get on the show and get, get it up and running. I wrote scripts. I reached out to talent. I wrangled talent. Um, you know, I wrote the whole treatment for the show and really did screen people, did questionnaires, like a whole, like just pulled together the concept from all the shows that I loved in the past. And you know, it came to life and it was a beautiful thing. And I, I'm so proud of that work. And I thank you, Edgar, for being my partner on that and, and helping, you know, that vision come to life because I definitely couldn't have done it without you. Um, but it definitely showed me that this is what I want to do. I want to create. I want to work with brands. I want to work with people. I want to continue doing great work and producing a great product that makes people feel good. So, um, you know, I, I had been talking to a few people who were just like, okay, well, we're still not open yet. We're still not doing this. We're, you know, this is on hiatus. And I saw so many people getting furloughed and, you know, just let go. And it was just disheartening for quite a, quite a while. Um, but all of a sudden, I think like 
November, um, I started getting calls about 2021. And um, I just started answering those calls and, and writing decks and really just becoming, you know, it, I guess bringing out a creative side of me that I didn't even know existed and honing in specifically on what it was that I love so much about this marketing game and working with people and working with brands and building brands and connecting people and connecting brands and being a, a partner and being a leader of an agency and being the front person, like all those things. I bought I, all I definitely, I definitely, okay, what, what was shocking what you said was that you were surprised that you were such a creator when all you've done your whole life was create, but you created for other people yes. and companies. And like, why did why that mindset that you didn't know? Because we we all know, and that's my thing. Like I see it. Like, like I told you. Like you know, I'll tell Henrock the whole time though. Ari is a beast. Like I don't think she realizes how much of a beast that she is. And um, you know, you know, I mean, we know talented people. Yeah. Especially, and I know you're a talented person. So my thing is like, when did you say to yourself, you know what? Yo, I can do this. I'm going to tell you, I don't think it was until I got in front of the camera. You know, all these years I had been behind the camera. Um, and I want to say in January 2019 or 20, 2020, all the years, 2020, um, I, I was working with AACA, um, African American College Alliance. I still work. I've been working with them for years, doing pop-ups and doing all kinds of other um, partner partnership, um, you know, opportunities and managing sponsorship and stuff like that. But um, I did. Uh, I curated a pop-up series, and we had a location, a brick and mortar in Harlem. And um, you know, I invited everybody to come out. Everybody came out, bought a sweatshirt or bought some sweatpants or just came and hung out. We made it like a really fun environment for people. I got a bar and pulled the bar in, pulled in sponsorship, like had, you know, Yave Tequila was one of the tequilas that came and, you know, helped us out a lot. Um, we we um, tapped Diageo, Keenan and Kanan, um, you know, sent over some product. Uh, there were so many, so many opportunities to really, you know, work some of those relationships. And while I was there, um, it was the, it was like the hub, you know, for, for people who were just kind of hanging out and just wanted a place to, to just hang out on a Friday night. Like we were there, so might as well hang out with our friends, right. And invite our friends. So one of my friends who came through, um, Sunkiss started talking to me and this was bonafide January of 2020 about doing a podcast. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. He was like, you know, no, no, no. I really, really think that you would be great because this is me. This is my persona. And this is you. And you're a totally different person. You're fun. And, you you know, you just you're very animated. And I think it'll work. And I was like, yeah, sure. You're right. Sure. You're right. Sure. You're right. So <laughs> for a number of months, um, we just kind of talked at it and talked about it. And then after the issue my mom had, and when I went to Philly, when I when I was sitting there on the couch, and after I created the the idea to do the house date, I called Sunkiss and I said, "Oh, oh, this was amid all of the nonsense that was happening with police brutality and all of the the just the crazy stuff that was going on. The pandemic had just hit, and um, I called Sunkiss and I said, I have a lot to say now.'" I don't think I had a lot to say before. I'm ready to be vocal. You know, let's go, let's do it. So we did our first show, I wanna say in like July. And I didn't realize until then, because I was very nervous. My first show, um, I'm not used to being in front of the camera. I, I, I was the person that was saying to my team, you need to be media trained. Let's get you in front of, you know, um, this the agency that's gonna train you to talk to media and to talk to people and to be able to articulate what you need to say about a brand and so on and so forth. So you don't say the wrong thing. But I wasn't that person. I was not the person to be in front of the camera or at least I thought. And after I watched myself on the first show, I was like, there you go. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, like I said, I always knew it's the same thing. You know me. I'm like, I'm the type of person that don't like to be in front of a camera. And then the same thing, like, you know, I was going through my BS last year. I was going through struggling. And I think just doing this became therapeutic for me. Yes. You know, my thing is like, you know, I feel like I'm a creator and I love, but I love hearing positive stories. And when awesome. you hear positive stories, it just pushes you. And, that, yeah. and, and that's you all the way because you've been around so many wonderful people. And yeah, and it comes back all the time because you're wonderful. You have a story to tell and people want to hear it. I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, no, yeah. People want to hear your story. Don't don't sleep on that. Trust me. Yeah, you, you don't know how many people you inspire. Like there's people that, you know, that know you that don't really, they're like, oh man, I know she does something. I know Ari, she's always around, but who is she? Yeah, well, they a lot of times when you talk to people and they tell you about an Aria story, it's usually with um, me pushing them to the limit and them not really remembering where they were the night before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about that. Cause I, I constantly find myself in rooms with people talking about the, you know, the very first time they met Aria or the time when Aria pushed them way beyond their limit and they just woke up the next, well, two days later, like what just happened? <laughs> and I was one of those people that could always hold my liquor. So I was in the clubs until four or five o'clock, but then on my first call at 7 a.m. and working all day and then going back out into the club. So I showed the youngins, the youngins how to do it and do it well. <laughs> so where do you see as a, a media person, a brand marketer, where do you see this business going in the next couple of years? Um, right now I am working with a few great brands. Um, I love the space that I'm in right now. Um, I was able to reconnect with Keenan Towns um, because he, he actually created, and this was a few years ago, he told me about him, um, you know, him leaving Diageo, uh, eventually, ultimately leaving Diageo and creating his own brand. Um, he formed a partnership with um, Snoop Dogg and created Indigo Gin, Exhibit A. <laughs> gotta do my, gotta do my, you know. Gotta do the plug, right? <laughs> gotta do my plug, plug. <laughs> but, um, you know, he created this partnership with uh, Snoop Dogg and created this gin that's actually amazing, which is what I'm sipping on right now. And um, I'm I'm working with on a few different initiatives with Keenan, um, but trying to recreate, uh, well, not recreate, but create some energy behind the brand um, on a just a regular consumer level, but then also on an elevated consumer level. That you gotta that bring, you got to bring it, do a, uh, a paddle or the sexist tour. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing my shameless plug. <laughs> bring that back, man. That was that was fun. You know how many? So too many people ask me, Edgar, you got to bring it back. I, we did it for four years. Race, you know, we raised fifty k, but you wow. know, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so amazing. Yeah, I mean. You know that so working with Indigo, um, and then I'm also working with another brand that I can't mention right now, but you'll see it pretty soon. Um, and and both of them are kind of in this space where they're looking to target um, not the urban consumer that's 21 to 35, which is what brands are always looking. They're always trying to get this guy that's you know that's just new and entering the category, and they don't really know what they want, but. Both brands are like, look, we want to step outside of that zone um, and we want to do a, take a different approach to, to marketing towards them. So, um, you know, those two brands. And then I, I, I think social media has played such a major part in our lives over the past year and a half that it's not going anywhere. Um, I would be surprised if Instagram just collapsed one day, because that's people's go-to. I, I did, I, I work with um, an amazing group called the Problem Solvers, and we have a weekly Tuesday night room on Clubhouse um, that's led by MC Search, the legend, legendary MC Search from uh, Third Base. 
um, and some amazing people there, Dante, Dante Simpson, um, Leontine Brown, uh, Mark Byers, and Paris Pullen, who I, who is like my new road dog. Like he's, he's like the youngest of our group. And he's so amazing with the world of social influencing and, you know, male grooming. And he's an amazing creative. So people like him are, who are going to be designing the fabric that we are going to be weaving ourselves into for the next couple of decades, I would say. So um, just really, just being a part of that conversation, being a part of that community and really just staying on the cusp of what's next and what's new, um, continuing to be innovative, uh, do great programming, um, and then continuing to honor my word and, and doing a great job with the people that, that are hiring me to work with them. Um, I, I just really appreciate so many of my friends who've stepped up and, you know, to, uh, Tamara Gardellis, who used to be my client at uh, Seagram's Gin and Martell. She hired me um, earlier this year to run a, a, a research program where I worked with influencers in the, in the east, on the east side of Chicago. You know, which is one of the one of the most interesting segments of the the country because it's so diverse and they've got they, like a lot of brands go there to test their brand um to test their the validity validity of their products. Um, so I'm working with her, and it's the feeling that I got from people who I've worked with 10, 15, 20, and even five or two years ago, calling me and saying, "Hey, we want you to work on." X, Y, and Z, and we want you to, you know, lead this charge, or we want you to, you know, figure out how to, you know, solve this problem. That is the most fulfilling, you know, fulfilling um, feeling in the world uh, to just know that you've done a great job and that people respect you for your work and they respect you for what you bring to the table. I'm never going to change. I'm going to always be that person that comes into the room happy and ready to go. Never going to be that person that comes into the room and, and brings everybody down. So if you want that person, go somewhere else. But I'm going to continue being me. How important is it um, to always pay attention to what's going on and to fi following the trends? Well, paying attention to what's going on is critical. You know, you can't just stay in a bubble. Um, I laugh at artists who are like, I only listen to my music. It's like, well, how do you learn? You know, how do you grow? So, you know, that's just like planting. I, I've, <laughs> I've got a funny story. My mom, when she moved, she gave me like 20 plants. I probably have one, two, three, four, five left. I killed them all. So it's just like putting a plant in the corner of the room and not talking to it, not feeding it, not watering it, not nurturing it. So it's really important to pay pay attention to trends, but it's even more important to be ahead of the trend. So to anticipate it. So do your work, do your do your homework, do your research, stay abreast of what's going on. If you're if you aspire to be the person that's leading campaigns, find out what competitive brands are doing. Find out how they got to where they are. Find out what some of the pitfalls were so that you don't fall into those same into those same holes. So you have to be aware, you have to be continue to be innovative, and you have to continue to be ahead of the curve. And if that's if that means creating your own trend and creating your own way, then that's what it's gotta be. Two final questions. Um what do you fear and what motivates you? <laughs> I fear God. I fear God. I fear my mama. There's a lot of things that I won't do and say because of my mom. You know, uh, she raised me to be very independent. Um, my mom was a very serious person when we were growing up. She's relaxed a lot because now she has grandkids. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've always just been very afraid of her, but now I respect why I was afraid of her because she was serious about what she had to do. She had a job to do. She had three kids and 
she worked to put food on our table and to give us the things, the bare necessities, the things that we needed. So there was no time for her to joke and kiki and laugh. So I fear her. Um, you know, so God, my mama, that's mm -hmm. the only thing I fear. What was the other question? <laughs> what motivates you? Motivate what, mo what, what motivates you every day? What motivates me every day is my son. Um, my son challenges me. He just turned 21 in March um, and he's a very bright young man. So he keeps me on my toes. Um, and then the fact that I have, I have to set a good example for him. Um, I have a lot of people that look up to me, you know, that are around like my nieces and my nephews and my godchildren. Um, I, I had my nephew graduated with honors from Purdue last week. My goddaughter Dream graduated today with honors from Albany State University. Um, you know, I have so many other nieces and nephews that are doing such amazing things and they're so bright and they're challenging people who are my age, who are, you know, just thinking that life is sweet, but then these, these guys are coming on your heels and they're like, nah, you, you gotta do better. You gotta do better. So um, my sister challenges me, Valerie, she, she constantly makes me really think about what it is that I wanna do and how I wanna get there. And, to, and she always reminds me to keep God first. Um, you know, my friends, my girls, my circle, like, oh my God, Mia, Amber, Nicole, like, there's so many people, my cousin, Dio, like, all these people challenge me on a regular basis. They challenge me to grow, um, and they, they, they nurture me, you know, um, they, they definitely help. Marlo, like, there's so many of them in, in my group, Tamara, Kelly, like, I could go on for days, you know, talking about it, like, you know, and then, um, you know, my, my circle, Keenan, Kanan, Chris Latimer, like that, those are my crew. That's my crew. William Johnson, like I wouldn't be, I would be sitting in my house, not motivated to do much if I didn't have these positive forces. Ingrid Best in my, in my corner, Dana Ford, Maria Ebony Shears, like the smartest most amazing people that I know. I, I just honestly couldn't imagine doing life without them. I got a little we love you from Dale. Oh, Dio, that's my cousin. <laughs> that's my cousin. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, and I just, I also look at what's happening in life, in real life. We're losing people, you know, and it just makes it more important for you to to really value the relationships that you've created. Um, my girl, Isla, um, Evelyn's Kitchen, she started her business, I wanna say like 12 years ago. Um, and I remember being in her kitchen with her rolling pudgies, you know, mm -hmm. and helping her to get, meet her first, you know, orders. And, you know, now 12 years later or so, she's still in her kitchen. She's got a staff that will live and die for her. Um, you know, she she works so hard and she works so smart that it really makes you sit back and say, you know what, I gotta do better. I gotta do better all the time. So, you know, like I said, you know, you, you gave me your hour. <laughs> uh, you know, do, are we gonna see your own show one day, media show, Aria Rice show? Aria, you could be the next Oprah. You, I hope you know that. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. I'm being truthful on that one. I mean, oh, freak. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you you're making an impact every day. Uh, I, you know, I think things that you touch usually turn to gold. Um, you know, like I I think the sky's the limit, and you know, that's you know I appreciate you giving me your time. I know you're a busy person. And you know, I definitely wanted to get you on. And I've always wanted to hear the story, but I, I like when other people hear your story. You know, I've heard some of it sometimes, but I like it. You know, I, I, I love it that you gave me the whole. You know, more. Absolutely. And that, I mean, honestly, it's like my my future is. You know, it is what it 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 is what it is. It, it is what it's going to be. I believe it's ordained by God. Um, I believe that He's leading my steps. 
Um, and I have great people around me, Pat Alphonse, who has been an amazing, incredible support over the past two, two and a half years. Um, you know, just really encouraging me and believing in me um, and, and pushing me to, to be better and to do more. And then also pulling me back when I've done too much because I I have tendency to do too much. But I, I appreciate everybody for all of the wisdom and, and knowledge that they've imparted upon me. And I, I just really am excited about the future, whatever that whatever that may be. And, and I if appreciate you follow, If people want to follow Aria, they can go to Aria F. Wright. Or if they want to contact you, how can they? They can contact me on across everything. So on Instagram, I'm Aria F. Wright. My email, Aria F. Wright at Gmail. Um, you know, my name is on the bathroom wall with my phone number. So see response. <laughs> Nobody has ever said, oh my God, I've been trying to reach you. She'll respond. She'll give you one chance. She'll respond. Yeah. I mean, you can always find me. I'm always around. And I'm always always two or three steps away from somebody that you know. So I'm easy. I appreciate you. Thank you, Edgar. (laughs) Don't hang up. (laughs) All right.